them or turn them on to 1 Samuel chapter 13 as we are going verse by verse through the book of 1 Samuel. I'm going to read a card as you are finding that this morning. Dear church family, thank you so much for all of your thoughts and prayers over the last year. Thank you for the cards. They were so appreciated every time we received it, and it was so special. Thank you for all the thoughts, prayers, and support during David's hospital stay. We love you all dearly. And that is from the Wigginses, David and Carol, and it is good to see him back, and them back, I should say, and uh, we're thankful for them. So like I say all the time, you don't realize how much a card, how much a prayer, a text, what loving someone can really mean to them. And today, if you're taking notes, I hope that you will for two reasons. One, to make sure that I am teaching you the Bible and for you to be able to learn and study this week as you look over it. The sermon's title today, if you're taking notes, and I really hope that you will, is Making Decisions in Difficult Situations. Making Decisions in Difficult Situations. Making decisions is not hard if everything is good. It's not hard to give generously when you have more money than you can spend. It's not hard to volunteer when your calendar is open. It's not hard to do the right thing when the results are immediately. But when situations become difficult, that is when decisions get hard. How am I going to volunteer with a calendar that's so full? How am I going to do what's right at work if it might cost me my job? How am I going to forgive that person that doesn't really want my forgiveness or even upset that they've hurt me? You see, it's in those moments the decisions that we make become greatly difficult. And today you might be saying, Jake, I want to do what God says, but my spouse doesn't. I I want to, to, to follow God, but I'm afraid what my friends will think. And today what we see is in this text that Saul had a difficult decision to make because of the circumstances he was in. And we're not going to read it all at first, but just because of the sheer sake of time, but I want to just remind you where we are. Last week we looked at moving forward, not on. And the text was all about how Samuel, even though these people said, you're old, uh, we don't want you to do your job anymore, and your sons are wicked, he, he said, I am not going to stop praying for you. I'm not going to stop teaching you the word of God. And the sermon was all built upon this idea that our relationship with God does not depend on other people. I cannot let other people's negative views of me keep me from serving God. I can't even let people's positive views of me keep me serving God. I have to serve God because I love him and he has a purpose and a plan for my life. That's where we were last week. And today, we are at a place where Saul has been king for a short period of time, right? He's brand new at this. He's figuring this out. The first king Israel's ever had, and something happens. He is expecting a time of peace, and so he keeps his 2,000 best soldiers for himself, gives his son Jonathan 1,000 soldiers, and sends the rest of the nation home to be just regular individuals, No reason to keep soldiers on the payroll if there is going to be no war. Jonathan decides 
nothing sinful, but he's going to attack the Philistines. He sees there is an opening that he can take a jab at him. And so Jonathan takes his thousand soldiers, attacks, defeats the Philistines, but something happens. The rest of the Philistine army decides, we're marching to Israel. And so when we find ourselves at today is, the entire Philistine or Philistine, however you say it, army has marched to Israel. If I'm Saul in that that moment, I'm thinking, I should have spanked you more as a child, right? Because what has happened is, Jonathan punched the little brother of the school bully. And the school bully has showed up to say, who's picking on my brother? And here's Saul with 3,000 men total. And the Bible says the Philistine army was as numerous as the sand of the sea. And that's where he finds himself. And Saul has to make some decisions on what to do, what the nation of Israel should do. And these decisions are very difficult because why? He could lose his kingdom. He could lose his life. He could lose the love and affection of his people. And so today I want to challenge you about making decisions in difficult circumstances. So pray with me. Father, today I come that as we begin to study your word, Lord, that you would speak, not me. Lord, you know that I am totally inadequate and unable to offer anything on my own. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak. Your word, Lord, through the power of your spirit would begin to convict and change hearts and draw people to yourself. And Father, we make much of Jesus today as my prayer. Much of your love, grace, and forgiveness. Today, God, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're taking notes, write this down. The first point this morning in the sermon is this. Difficult situations lead to fear and unbelief. Difficult situations lead to fear and unbelief. Today you say, Jake, I don't have an enemy army that has surrounded me. Today you might have got a health diagnosis that is overwhelmingly negative. Today you might be in a relationship struggle that you just don't understand how it's going to work out. Maybe today you've been praying for your prodigal son or daughter that hasn't come home yet. Maybe today you're going through spiritual difficulties. There's a sin in your life that you've tried to repent and give up, but yet you just can't seem to win the victory. Difficult situations come to all of us. Today you are not alone in that difficulty. And so let's look here, starting in verse 1, at the difficult situation that leads to Saul's fear and unbelief, starting in verse 1. Saul reigned one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel. Two thousands were with Saul in Mishmah and in the mountains of Bethel, and a thousand were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent away every man to his tent. And Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines that was in Gibeah. And the Philistines heard of it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. Now all Israel heard it said that Saul had attacked a garrison of the Philistines and that Israel had also become an abomination to the Philistines. And the people were called together to Saul at Gilgal. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel. 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen 
And listen to this. And people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and encamped in Mishmash in the east of Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks, in holes and pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. So the situation I just described to you is this, right? And what happens is in this situation, the Philistines, Philistines respond and they show up. And the people don't blame Jonathan, right? It doesn't say Jonathan is the reason that they're here. It says what? Saul. And the reason is this. When you are at the top of the food chain, you are responsible for the people under you. Their mistakes are yours. That's the way it is. You might not like it. You might not think it's fair. But that is the way it is. And so they show up and the people of Israel realize this is a bad deal. 3,000 versus multitudes. You ever been to the beach and walked on the sand? It gets everywhere, right? That's just on you. And so in that moment, Saul is facing some enemies. He's facing the enemy in front of him, which is an enemy army. He is facing an enemy beside him because his people don't show up. Did you hear there that he called out to all Israel? He says, we are in trouble. Come, listen, come and fight, come and support. We need you. Nobody shows up. He has an enemy in front of him. He has an enemy of his own soldiers that won't fight. It even says what? They were hiding Kind of reminds you of Gideon hiding down there in that wine press, right? So nobody would see him. I mean, literally, they're hiding in thickets. They're digging holes. Wherever they can hide, they are hiding. But not only is there an enemy in front of him, an enemy beside him, but even his soldiers that are there, it said what? They trembled. He was surrounded. Everyone that was supposed to rely, be relied on, everyone that was supposed to be there, everything that was supposed to work did not happen. And today I really believe this. Some of you are looking at situations that are above your ability. Some of you have got some of the worst news you could ever go through. Some of you have been betrayed and hurt. Some of you are sitting here today thinking, I just can't do this anymore. Some of you are sitting right next to someone that you live with. And you're thinking, this just ain't working. I just, this can't happen. It can't get any worse. Some of you are thinking about your jobs at work, and you're thinking, you know what, I know my boss wants me to cut this corner and that corner, but it's, it's not honest, it's not ethical, and, and I'm afraid that if I don't do it, I'm going to get fired, but if I do do it, I'm going to get in trouble. But this morning, I want you to know something. If you let your difficult situations lead you to fear and unbelief, there will be consequences that last much longer than you can ever imagine. You see, today, if you're saying, Jake, I need this job to find my value. You're saying, Jake, I need my marriage to find value. You say, Jake, I, I need what other people think of me to find value. I want you to look up here for just a moment. That will never be enough. 
If you are trying to say, if I could just get more money, if I could just be more prestigious, if I could just be more well thought of, if I could just be more well liked, if I just had more, that would be enough. There is only one person who defines who you are, and that is Jesus Christ. He is the only one that you can find real hope and joy and peace and value through. He and he alone. But see, I want you to hear something today. I want you to listen to what Isaiah 41 verse 10 says. But not just verse 10 because that's the only one we put on our wall. But I want you to hear that and the verses that follow. I want you to read these first two words with me this morning in verse 10. Those first two words say what? Fear not. That's the start. Fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. But don't miss this. Behold, all those who were incest against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing. And those who strive with you shall perish. You shall seek them and not find them. Those who contend with you, those who war against you, shall be as nothing, as a non-existent threat. If you don't take any other notes today, I want you to write this down. God does not just watch you in your difficulty. Because most of us understand, and even the world says, that God is like this big father time who sits there and watches us and waits on us. And, but that's not what the Bible teaches The Bible does teach that God sees all, that God knows all. But what you hear in this verse is, don't only be afraid, do not be afraid, but also remember that God is not just watching with you, he is walking with you. And not only is he watching and walking, he is working for you. He is working that out. That's what he says. He says, not only do I want you not to be afraid, the reason I don't want you to be afraid is, I am fighting for you. I am going to take your enemies and I'm going to make it like they were never even born. See, some of you think God's like a creepy neighbor that's just watching you, but that's not the case. God is watching you. God is walking with you. And in those moments when you are not able to do what the task in front of you is is above your ability, God is at work. Now, I know you all are not lovers of violence, so for me, the third word is not work. For me, I like to say God is watching, God is walking, and God is warring. But for peace and clarity and political correctness, we'll call it working. But that's what you need to hear this morning. That God knows your pain. God is with you in your pain. And God is working in your pain. That means if you're saying, Jake, I can't go on anymore. I cannot love my spouse anymore. Let God. You say, Jake, I've got so many health problems. I've got so many emotional problems. I've got so many relationship problems. I just can't go on anymore. Let God work. You see, friends, most of us get in the difficult situations of life and that fear and unbelief leads everything we do. And what you have to be reminded of is that there's a God who's with you. There's a God who loves you. There's a God who cares about you. You say, I don't need God. I'm a big, tough guy. You just wait till you get cancer. Just wait till your kid gets a diagnosis that you can't fix. Just wait till you get laid off and you're the breadwinner of your home. Friends, I'm telling you, 
God is with you. God is working in it and moving in your life. And today the greatest lie that Satan will try to tell you is you're alone. Nobody else struggles with depression. Nobody else struggles with anxiety. No one else struggles with their temper. No one else struggles with being inadequate. No one else struggles with that sin. You're the only one in the whole world who's ever felt that way. You alone. God, Satan will try to convince you. You're the only one that's ever had a failed business, a failed marriage, a failed friendship. You're just a failure. But what God wants you to hear is I am with you. And not only am I with you, I am fighting for you. And friends, today, write those three words down. Watching, walking, and working. Because friends, you need it. Oh, you probably don't need it here this morning. Right? Your biggest concern now is how long is the sermon going to be? You know, it's a little bit longer today, so I just have to tell you that up front. That's your biggest concern right now. But tomorrow when you go to work and that person that's trying to get you fired at your job, this, that's the difficulty. Today when you're in the lobby and that person that's hurt you over and over and over again at church or at home or at work, that you have to forgive them, that's when it gets difficult. And so it's in those moments that you need to be reminded that he is watching, he is walking, he is working. But I want to show you this morning the second point. Difficult situations lead to fear and unbelief. And this is the second point. Fear and unbelief lead us to make decisions in the flesh, not in the spirit. Fear and unbelief lead us to make decisions in the flesh, not in the spirit. Look here in verse 8 with me. We're just going right along here. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offering here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him, that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed, that the Philistines gathered together at Mishmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. This morning, I want you to know that you can feel things and be wrong with God. Your feelings cannot dictate your relationship with God. And so what happens is, I want you to hear this. Saul is looking at the multitude of enemy around him. He's thinking, the people are trembling beside me. He's thinking, most of the people won't even show up to fight with me. You know what I need to do? I need to make sure that God is with me. You say, Jake, there's nothing wrong with that. You're right, but it is wrong if the only reason you want a relationship with God is what you can get out of Him. Now, this is where it gets really serious today, and I want you to listen. Friends, today, many of you are here, not because of a love for God, but a love of what God can do for you. If I just come to church, God's got to make me be successful. If I just give enough money, that's got to get me to heaven. If I'll just get baptized, that means God will love me. Friends, I want you to know something. 
If an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ is not what you desire and not what you are thankful for, it is because one, you've never had one. Or two, you have drifted so far from him that you've forgotten how wonderful it is. And that's what Saul did. Saul wasn't really worried about what God wanted. He just wanted to make sure when he made his decision that God went with him. And that's how we are usually. God, I I don't know if you want me to work here or not work here, but wherever I work, make sure it's good. Lord, I don't know if you want me to marry this one or that one, but whoever I marry, I want you to bless it. You see, most of us are guilty of marching to our own drum and our own beat and then asking God to do what? Bless it as you go, Lord. Bless it as you go. In the New Testament, I use these verses every time we take the Lord's Supper. And in the New Testament, the church is meeting for the Lord's Supper. They're meeting with the wrong intention. They're meeting in sin. They're meeting, and it's all about them, but they're doing it because that's what they're supposed to do. And God tells the early church what? Some of you are going to get sick because you're approaching me without the right heart. And he then says some of you are even going to die. You see, friends, today I want you to know I'm glad you're here. I don't care what reason brought you here. I don't, I don't, I don't care if you came here today because you, wanted to, to, you wanted to just get away from your spouse that's at home and won't come. I don't care if you came today because you thought Jake usually says really dumb things and I want to make sure it makes me feel better about myself this week. I don't know if you came here today and, and Satan has been telling you that you have no purpose, no hope, and you came here as a last result. I don't know if you came here today because you've always came here and it's what you do on Sunday mornings and you don't want people to talk about you or ask where you're at. Or if you came today here because you love Jesus Christ with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and you want to worship him. I don't know why you're here. That's between you and God. But I want you to know something. The only thing that will change your life is you knowing that God died for you, that he loves you, that he is willing to save you and forgive you and to live within you forever. None of the other stuff will make a difference. I believe this. I believe that when a Christian gets saved, when you are truly born again, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live within you and you can never be unsaved. I believe that you are not strong enough or have a long enough arm to reach into heaven and write your name in the Lamb's book of life or to erase it from the Lamb's book of life. I do not believe that you can take the Spirit of God and remove him from anywhere that he is. He is God. But I believe that you can be so complacent in your walk with God that you can forget the sweetness of that fellowship. You can take for granted who God is and what he means to you and I. And that's what I believe Saul did. Saul wanted the blessings of God. Saul wanted the provision of God. But he didn't want God to be in charge. You say, Jake, why do you say that? I'm going to prove it to you here in a moment. But I want to show you this. Saul liked being king. Saul liked being in charge. Saul enjoyed this role that God had given him. And I believe the reason that he got in trouble with God was not the sacrifice. I don't believe it was the the action of the sacrifice. I believe it is why he offered the sacrifice. And it is this, in my opinion, this is my humble opinion. 
that being king became the idol in his life. He wanted the people to want him to be their king. He wanted the people to worship him as their king. He wanted to get the glory for leading them as his king. Because when the punishment came down for his sin, what's the thing that God took from him? The kingdom. And friends, this morning I want you to hear this. Whatever you have made as an idol in your life, God will take it from you. If you are here today and you are a Christian, if there is an idol in your life, whether it's your children, whether it's your hobbies, whether it's your church, whether it's your pastor, whether it's your marriage, God loves you too much to leave that idol in your life without trying to rock the boat. God loves you too much. I've had people sit in this building for years, listen to sermon after sermon and sermon after sermon and say, you know what, Jake, I just don't think that lying's a sin. Jake, I just don't think that my anger's a sin. I just don't think that my sin is, 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 is wrong. Friends, I wanted to tell you something today. If you are living in sin and the Spirit of God is not convicting you of that sin, one of two things is true. One, you are lost. Because a born-again believer in Jesus Christ has the Spirit of God in them convicting them. Or two, you have drifted so far from God that you're in danger of judgment. And today I want you to see that from Saul. I want you to see that because Saul had made being the king everything to him. And listen to what the Bible says here in Proverbs verses 5 and through 8 of chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. But don't stop there. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Today, I want you to know that spiritual problems can have an effect on your health. You say, Jake, I don't understand. I believe in emotional health, I believe in physical health, but I want you to tell you today that spiritual health can affect you physically. It says that it will be the health to your flesh. What is flesh? This is flesh. The flesh and bone of your body. And friends, what he's saying in this Proverbs is, when you live your life for you, when you make all your decisions for you, when it doesn't become about God, when it doesn't become about what God wants, it will have an effect on your life. It'll affect your mental health. It'll affect your physical health. It'll affect every area of your life. But if you will trust God and love God and lean on God and follow God and obey Him, it will be what? Health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Now, I don't believe you can eat 37 cheeseburgers a day and pray and all the consequences go away from that. It's not what it's talking about here. But friends, some of you are saying, Jake, I've got a money problem. If I had more money, no, you have a spiritual problem. Some of you today are saying, Jake, if I just had a newer model to live with, that would make all my problems together. No, you have a love problem. You say, Jake, I just can't understand why I can't get along with anyone ever. Everyone's always mad at me. Maybe you have a relationship problem. Maybe today you say, Jake, I just don't understand why, I, why I'm hurting so much emotionally and physically. And God says it's a spiritual problem. 
And so this morning today, I want you to hear that. Don't just blame everything on the world. Today, own it. Say, Lord, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I coming to church? Why am I reading my Bible? Why do I say the things that I say? Why do I go the places that I go? Because God knows your heart. And Samuel, Saul offers a sacrifice. He waits almost as long as he's supposed to. You say, Jake, I don't understand why this is so bad. It's because you and I don't know Saul's heart. It even says there, Saul tells Samuel, he comes to greet him. He says, I've offered a sacrifice. The people were worried. The people were afraid. I did this for them. I I did this because that's what I thought God wanted. And friends, today I want you to hear this, that outwardly you can look right with God and inwardly be wrong with God. Today you look at me and I don't look good, but I've got a good looking suit on. It even buttons. Look at that. Some of my suits don't button. Got a good looking tie that my kids gave me. Best dad ever, right? Got my Sunday best on. But you have no idea what's in my heart today. You have no idea what I'm thinking about you today. And it's probably a good day. Think some days, amen? You have no idea. And friends, that's what Saul did. He gave God lip service. But I believe the thing that he really didn't want was to lose what God had given him. Today I want you to know that your spouse is a gift from God. Today I want you to know that your children are a gift from God. Your church is a gift from God. The things God has given you are gifts, but never make the gift more important than the giver of those gifts. Now listen, we're almost done. Don't don't check out on me yet because I'll preach an extra hour. I'm not worried. Difficult situations lead to fear and unbelief. That unbelief and fear lead us to make decisions in the flesh, not the spirit. And those decisions, don't miss this, this is the last point. Those decisions in the flesh have lasting consequences. Follow with me as we're just going to go right on through this. Verse 13. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Then Samuel arose and went up from Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin and Saul, don't miss this, and Saul numbered the people present with him about 600 men. You say, wait a second. I thought Saul had 3,000 men. You're right. But friends, when you live in the flesh, you cannot expect spiritual results. You see, Saul is trying to hold together his army like I would try to hold together water. You just can't do it very long. It runs out, it spills over. And friends, what Samuel is trying, Saul is trying to accomplish in the flesh just has negative results. And this morning I want you to hear that. If you are trying 
to make your marriage better by the flesh, if you're trying to please God according to your flesh, if you're trying to worship God according to your flesh, if you're trying to forgive people according to your flesh, friends, you will never see any spiritual victories. It will always be diminishing. It will always be decreasing. It will always be subtraction, not addition. But I hope that you heard what Samuel said. The kingdom that was yours is no longer yours. Now there are two trains of thought here and you can make up your own mind in this situation. Some scholars believe that God took the kingdom from him at this point. Didn't matter what Saul did, it was going to David. Other people and scholars believe that it was a proclamation that could have been changed. Just like when Jonah went to Nineveh and said, if you don't repent, you're going to be destroyed. Just like it was when Isaiah went to King Hezekiah and say, says you're going to die. King Hezekiah repented, asked for more years, and God gave him more years. <laughs> Jonah repented, and God spared that judgment. You can choose each, whichever one that you believe in this passage of Scripture. But I believe that God took the kingdom from him because of his choice. I don't believe God knew, and or I don't believe God made Saul do that. I don't believe that God said, Saul, I'm going to raise you up just so I can tear you down. I believe that Saul had a choice to make in this difficult situation, and he chose wrong. Now, God knew that he wasn't going to repent. God knew what he was going to do. But friends, I want you to know today that some of you today, God wants to save your marriage if you'll do it his way. I believe today that some of you, God wants to work and move in your relationships if you'll choose. I believe today that God wants to save some of you if you'll call upon his name. But friends, I want you to hear this today. In the difficulties, in the fear and unbelief, those decisions can have consequences. And today I pray for you as an individual. Today I pray for you as a married couple. Today I pray for us as a church. Listen to what Proverbs 18 says as we quickly come to the end. And I know what you're saying, Jake. You don't know what quickly means. I do. In Proverbs 18, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desires. He rages against all wise judgment. A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. When the wicked comes, contempt also comes also. And with dishonor comes reproach. You see, what he's saying here is, when I get in my flesh, when I want to make it all about me, when I feel that it's all about the flesh, I don't want to hear from anybody. I don't want your advice. I don't want your concern. I don't want your prayers. You just leave me alone. Let me have my pity party. Let me do what I think is best. I'm the master of my own fate. I'm the captain of my own ship. You've probably seen that in your life. If you've ever tried to help someone and care for someone and be there for them, and then when they hurt you, what do you want to do? You want to isolate. In your relationships with other people, whether it's your marriage or your parents or your family or your friends, if you've ever been betrayed by them, what you really want to do is go out and get more friends, right? No, it's to pull back, to isolate, 
The same thing is true about church. If your value and worth is only about what people in the chairs sitting next to you think about you or what they think, there will come a day when they will hurt you. Your pastor will hurt you. And all you'll want to do is pull what? Back. But what God says is when we isolate, when we pull away, when we don't trust Him to do what only He can do, we put ourselves on a path for pain and misery. And so today I want to challenge you with this. Do you really want God to be with you in the difficult situations? Because He is. Do you really want God to walk with you through the heartbreak and difficulties of this life? Because He is. And do you really want God to fight for you when the battle is just too big? Because He will. Friends, if you let your fear and unbelief control you, you'll make decisions. You'll make choices. It will have lasting consequences. One of the most famous verses in all the New Testament. This is the last one I have for you today. In Luke 22. Our Lord is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And He is getting ready to pray. And He makes one of the most profound statements in that prayer. That can ever be said. And it's a choice you have to make as well. Listen to what it says in verse 41. And when he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared from heaven, strengthening him. Today I want to ask you that question. Are you willing to say to God, Lord, whatever you want, I'll do. Lord, whatever idol in my life, I'll let you tear down. Lord, whatever sin is in my heart, I want to be forgiven. Lord, whatever baggage I'm carrying, I want to lay it down. It's a choice you have to make. I can't make you love your enemies. I can't make you love your friends. I can't make you love your spouse. But today I believe there is someone that is working in your life. That's the Holy Spirit. Today if you're a Christian, you say, Jake, I don't, the Holy Spirit doesn't work on me, then there's a problem. Because the Bible says He came into the world to convict us of sin and judgment and righteousness. And so today if you're saying, if you're sitting here thinking, I hope my wife's listening to this sermon. God's probably saying, you need to listen to this sermon. If you're sitting back there in the back and you're looking up at your teenager going, boy, I hope they're listening. The Lord's probably saying, are, are you listening? You're sitting back here saying, boy, I hope the pastor's finally listening to one of his own sermons. He's probably saying, are you listening? Because today you can continue on the road that you're on, living for you and yourself and asking God to bless that. Or today you can come to Jesus and say, Lord, I know you love me. I know you died for me. I know you want what's best for me. And Lord, even in those difficult moments when I don't understand or I don't know why, I'm going to trust you. That's what God wants from you today and from me, that we would trust him. Friends, I don't 
I hope that you never are surrounded by 36,000 enemy army soldiers. I hope that never happens. I hope today that you're never surrounded by numerous friends that weren't faithful. I hope you never find yourself sitting by a bedside and the person you love has cancer. I hope that for you. I pray that for you. I pray that your life is blessed in every way. But I want you to know that when difficulties come, God is with you. And that he loves you. And that he cares about you. The question is, will you choose whatever idol in your life? Or will you choose him? Samuel had a choice to make when the nation of Israel betrayed him. And he said, I'm not going to hold any grudges. I'm not going to be bitter. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to teach you. And Saul had a choice when all of the enemies were around him to either trust God or to be more worried about losing his kingdom, losing his earthly fame, losing his earthly prestige. He decided to do it on his own. It's a choice you can make today. And I pray that you'll choose Jesus. Trust him today, no matter what you're facing. Today, if you're here and you're not a Christian, you cannot save yourself. You cannot find forgiveness on your own. But today, if the Spirit of God is showing you that you're lost, that you're a sinner, He's showing you that because He wants to save you, to forgive you and make you right. If you're here and you're a Christian today and you're saying, Jake, I know I'm saved, but there are things in my life God ain't touching and you ain't touching. Look up here. I don't want to touch it. I got my own baggage to deal with. I don't need yours. What I can tell you is this, God can. God can take care of every bit of it if you let him. As Jamie comes and Janice comes, would you stand with us as we pray? Father, today I come to you, Lord, thankful for who you are. And Lord, I pray for this congregation today, Lord, and myself, that we would truly love you. That we wouldn't ask for your blessings because of what we want here, but because that you're enough. Father, I pray right now for that person in this building that has been told by Satan has convinced themselves that they have no value. Lord, that they have no purpose, that they could never be forgiven or loved. But that's not true. Lord, I pray that you would show them today, no matter where they've been, what they've done, that you will love them, that you will forgive them, that you will save them if they will call upon your name, believe in your son Jesus and his resurrection. And make you the Lord and Savior of their life. Father, I pray today for this congregation and these believers, Lord, that today would be the day that they would say, Lord, whatever you want from me, I am yours. Lord, I'm going to lay down every bit of baggage, unforgiveness, brokenness. Lord, I'm laying it down today and trusting that you will replace it with peace and joy. Lord, did I pray for this, the believers in this place that are that are walking with you, but yet, God, you're calling them to a deeper love, a deeper relationship. But, Lord, I do pray today for that Christian or that non-Christian in this building today that says they don't need you. To that person who says, I'm a good person, I, I come to church, I, I give, I'm a good husband. Lord, to today that you'd convict them to show them that's not enough. Lord, I do that today to the Christian who's grown prideful and arrogant in their walk with you, Lord, that they've got their ticket to heaven, but they don't need you. Lord, I pray that you'd humble them today.
Lord, I pray that you do a great and mighty work in this place today for your glory and your glory alone. And Lord, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.